0: We have big questions today and we have little questions today. What do you do with that nasty, pain in the neck customer? Well, today we're talking all about grabbing the reins and taking charge. So, listen in.
1: Hi, Barbara. My name is Kate. I'm 27 and I'm from Los Angeles, California. I'm reaching out because I am at a point where. There's so much in life that I still really want to accomplish, both in my personal life and in my career. And I'm just trying to figure out how I can make all of this happen. And so if you have any advice on how to kind of reach your goals and juggle both personal and professional lives, when I feel highly ambitious and I just want to accomplish all of it now. So I'd love any feedback on steps I can take to just make this a life that I'm proud of and that when I look back years from now, I'm like this, I've I've accomplished everything I wanted and more.
0: Uh, Thank you for your time. So you have this pain in the neck customer that that, uh, she keeps calling again and again? Yeah, so the day
2: that I called you with the question was the day I feel I reached my threshold of tolerance, Uh and um, that was my very first time. My entire model is I want to keep all my customers satisfied, and part of my business um, model is that after every delivery we make, I am a... um, charcuterie board and corporate gifting delivery company Mm -hmm. i always make a point to contact the customer and get feedback because i make changes to my business based on feedback Mm -hmm. and um this particular customer was very difficult she did not even place an order and um just the way she spoke to me and the way she um, she was trying to intimidate me and scare me and tell me, you know, I've noticed all your good reviews, it would be a shame for me please, to please. give Thank you a bad <laughs> And I was just, um, I wanted to ask you, how do you deal with customers when they're extremely difficult to the point where they're pushing your um, threshold of tolerance even after you provide them with multiple remedies? Should you ever say no to a customer? And
0: if so, how do you go about doing it? I have a very different, uh, maybe not that common or people would disagree with me, but I did build a business that was totally relying on customer satisfaction as almost every business is. That doesn't mean uh, that uh, you have to make every customer thrilled, even though that's a worthy God. I mean, that's a great God to shoot for, right? But I do not believe the customer is always right. And I know the common expressions, the customer is always right. I believe you have to make your God that you're going to be as terrific with each customer like they're gold. But when they don't measure up, I believe in knocking them off myself. And I have over the years. And I promoted that philosophy with any of my customer service line, okay? Okay. tolerate tolerate Uh, but you can't be afraid that's what I found in teaching other people to adopt my philosophy that you don't have to put up with being talked down to you don't deserve Mm -hmm. that it's not you it's them that's absolutely not part of your job description definitely not you don't have to throw yourself on the sword our business isn't that fragile we can take one bad review and rebuff it okay that all comes from a position of confidence that you have the right to say no. It's all, it's like a business version of abuse. You know, it's like you're so sweet, so sweet, very fine. But then when the guy reaches his hand out, you, you go up, I'm sorry, not acceptable. Uh, were you that person with that customer eventually when you just had had it did you straighten them out or did they stop calling or what happened how did you handle that sound like you had a happy ending that surprised no you. so um what happened was
2: I was very happy with the way I handled it
0: I felt that
2: I was doing whatever I could to keep this customer happy and um At at the end, she didn't place an order, although she asked me for multiple items and things that I should do to to make things better, and I did. I said, you know what, I'll give you this, um, what you want, I'll do it for you. She didn't end up ordering, and I was glad she didn't, because after that, I was really thinking that is not the way I wanted to handle it. I don't think that I should have been so passive. And because I never had a customer like that, I didn't really know how to deal with it, which is why I was very emotional after. And I was like, I don't want to give in and just think that my company is just so, we'll just give in if you um, make complaints that are not, that aren't valid even though I give remedies, and I'm in the process of hiring someone to take care of my customer service, and I don't want a Sage in employee to ever feel this way, and so yeah. I need to deal with it so I can train
0: someone to deal with um, certain, this nuisance customer. Uh, yes. In the end, what did you say, or what did you do, did she just disappear after she aggravated you enough?
2: I apologized to her multiple times and I said, I really wish um, you could order from me so you could really evaluate my business. She said, you know, not saying all these um, negative things about my company. And I said, I assure you, that's not the case. Um, please place an order with me. I'll, here's a code you can use. Um, I assure you, you will be happy with our process and everything. And um, she asked for some things. And I was like, at that point, I just wanted to end the phone call, let her place an order. I was like, I'll give it to you here, just place the order. Um, I hope I can make you happy um, by doing these things. And she didn't end up placing an order and I was glad, but um, so she, disappeared. At the end, I, she disappeared after that. I think I really gave in and I apologized to her. So I think she felt better that I was willing to do that. But at the end, I felt a little uncomfortable. I was like, you know, I shouldn't be that passive. I don't want to be that passive to another customer that talks that way and isn't being reasonable to me. Um, so yeah, it ended fine, it was positive, she was fine with everything, but it left me with a very uncomfortable feeling.
0: I think a very yeah. good measuring stick as to whether you're doing the right moral thing or the wrong moral thing is how you feel when you hang up the phone, like, ugh, about yourself, usually you just made a big mistake, yep. if you're proud of yourself, like you put up with that crap and you made the customer happy or didn't make them happy, and you feel good about that, you did the right thing. Eh, you did the wrong thing, okay? But here's the wonderful opportunity you have now. You have the wonderful gift of the experience with the customer from hell that you couldn't make happy, but you dodged that bullet eventually, but at great personal cost to you that wasn't worth it, I think, okay? You know, there are customers out there that just love to see people grovel. And if you're young and sweet and you are very young, very sweet, you are their target. I assure you there's another five, six, 10 uh, sagels out there that are equally abused by this lady all the time. It's she didn't just select you, okay? She selects everybody who's a target, okay? All right, what could you do going forward? You're about to hire your first uh, colleague who's going to take over or do do this kind of work that you've been doing to date as a business owner. You can say to them, you made a mistake a few weeks ago. You so believe in customer service. You could sit them next to you to learn, see how you handle these customers. It's the best training in the world. What a gift to them that they could learn to service the way you do. But say to them, if you ever get a customer like that, because I already made the mistake, and nothing wrong, people that work for you love to hear about your mistakes. They love it more than your success. Okay, Flip that customer to me. Oh, let me get you my boss. I'll handle it and you'll get another opportunity to practice on the customer from hell, whoever that new one's gonna be, because you'll get that one, okay? You won't offer as much, you won't make a rug of yourself like you did this time, you'll hang up the phone and feel maybe some concern, but you won't ever feel creepy like you did last time, you know? It's a yep. wonderful learning lesson that you now as a boss can teach the next guy, but you are so right in letting your employee know and the employee after that, and the employee after that, as you grow your business, that it is not acceptable to be abused by people. That the customer isn't always right. There's a few creeps out there. Toss them your way. You'll take it off their back. You don't want them being abused. What a love message to your employees. You know, right. I, I could tell looking at you, listening to you, who wouldn't want to buy from you? Who wouldn't want to work from you? Who wouldn't want to work with you? My God. <laughs> Thank you, Barbara. I really appreciate that. Pleasure. You'll do so well. Get ready for that next son of a gun, right? Hey, hey, hey. It's Barbara. It's hey, hey, hey. caller. Hey, hey, hey. It's Barbara. Hello, this is Barbara.
3: Hey, Barbara. Hope you're doing well today. My name is Amit Shah. I am from Upstate New York in a town called Hopewell Junction, and I run a IT company. And, you know, I am finally at a point where I'm starting to do well and we're profitable and we're growing and all that good stuff. And, you know, one of the biggest things my mind always goes towards is, okay, you know, focus on making profits and, you know, take it out of the business and consider investing in other uh, businesses that are small or medium-sized or, you know, uh, real estate and, you know, whatever you might have. And, you know, focus on growing that way so that way I don't have to continue to do more and more hard work to grow my business and and essentially let my business work for me. Um, One part of my mind says that's the way to do it, and then the other part of my mind says I should focus on growth of my existing business and only focus on growing this business as I have finally worked hard and I've gotten to a point where we're now finally starting to see a turnaround and and continue to grow that. So I wanted to get your opinion on that, and I would love to be on your show and get my question answered too. So I look forward to hearing from you, and again, thank you so much.
0: But are you the sales end of your business? You're the guy making the sales calls. Yeah. yeah. That, that's the most yeah. important part, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. I you have to be a selling, you have to be a selling business owner. You can't have it any other way.
0: <laughs> the such thing is not being that person. Can I ask you? You were talking in we, who's the we in your business?
4: Yeah. So I have uh, myself. I'm the partner and CEO uh, here at Incipient. And I have a partner. Um, he runs a lot of the operation stuff, and then we have a team. That leads uh, recruitment, um, HR, and you know different functions like that. Um, So you know it's been a hard point to get to here, but uh, we made it.
0: (laughs) Sure, you like every great entrepreneur out there knows the pains of birthing a business.
4: Oh yeah, you can see that again.
0: And how how years have you had it?
4: Oh yeah, so I started. um, I started when I was in high school. I was really really lucky. Uh, I I I uh, when I was really young, I was just horrible um, in school and. Um, you know, I mean, it, it was, it was to a point where I think often my parents were wondering, okay, maybe we can just buy him like a small business and maybe he can just run that and just be okay, you know, and kind of thing. And, and to be completely honest, I had no idea when I was younger, how bad I was at school. I mean, it was to a point where, I mean, it it was, it makes you look like a genius. I know you said you had D's. <laughs> I, had, I had, I had much worse than D's and F's. And, you know, I think at, I was in, I was even put in special ed, <laughs> Because of how bad my grades were. And I think that, you know, when you don't do well in school, it's often viewed as, oh, there's an, there's an issue, right? Mentally or whatever it might be. Maybe, God forbid, maybe you're just not interested. (laughs) So, you know, I think, you know, I think that there was a lot of that. And, um, you know, I just had no idea how bad I was. But I also didn't really have like these hopes or aspirations, if that makes sense. And I think for me, I think that was probably one of my biggest strengths because I didn't have something I was working towards. Right. And I got to be me. I got to do what I enjoyed. And, you know, my family had a small business They had a hotel. Um, and, you know, part of that, you know, I got to just go there and hang out. Right. And I got to observe, right. How my father did things. I got to observe how housekeeping did things. I got to observe how maintenance did things. I got to observe how it did things. Right. And, and luckily, you know, I fell in love with it and I would just, I would just call like Dell, right, and HP, and I would use like the service tag numbers from the each computers and use that free support, you know, hotline to just make up scenarios. I would just say, oh, I'm having this problem. How do you fix this, right? And to them, they don't know if it's real or not, right? So I would just like self-teach um, and just learn that way. And, and, you know, one thing led to another.
0: Well, obviously, your ego's intact today.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it has to be. It has to be. <laughs> I'm
0: just be. What was the issue at school? You couldn't read? Uh, I, it wasn't necessarily
4: reading for me. The main problem was, is that understanding what I'm being taught, right? So I'm a very, uh, problem oriented individual. So if you give me a particular problem, right. And how to solve it, I'm great at that, right. I'm very good with, you know, on my feet. I'm very good when I get to control things, but I don't learn best when somebody is trying to teach me something from their perspective. Um, because I, I, I'm not, not necessarily think differently, but I think that the way I think is a very like uh, logical way, like step one, step two, step three. Right. But, you know, when you're teaching something as a concept, right, there's, it's, it's not just like, okay, yeah, you learned this and you learned this and boom. Right. So, you know, schooling for me was a very difficult thing. And, you know, up until I graduated, you know, uh, college, I was very anxious because I ran my business full-time more that than school, even in college and all that. So for me, you know, it was very, very difficult to be in school and to run a business at the same time. But when I graduated, Everybody was like, "Oh my God, you know it's going to be so you know nervous to be out in the real world. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I can't place. It's, it's like being in jail I mean you know, and like you know it's like you're being suffocated, you know and you know and when I got out, it was just you know I'm not saying it was easy after I graduated, you know business was is very tough because that was essentially after I graduated in 2016, that was when I was really now working full- time on the business up until then it was just fun, <laughs> um, you know, but now I'm graduating, I need to make money right so uh, you know then it was but it was one challenge right it was one challenge to fight versus school I gotta get enough grades to pass so at least I can make it out of here and not have another year or two years <laughs> god forbid you know and that that whole thing so you know for me like that was that was the biggest thing
0: full time for a full what? what is that about six years uh
4: yeah so 16 22 yeah about six seven years yeah
0: you were doing a uh, Prior to that, what another five, six, seven years? That's a long time. That's a whole yeah.
4: I yeah. I started. I first started my. I opened up my business bank account in 2010, uh, which was my sophomore year of high school. Um, that was like the first year
0: working for you now.
4: Um, now we have about 25 people um, that work with us, and you know some are you know remote people, contractors, and that type of thing. Uh, but yeah, we're you know we're growing and we're doing well. You know, I'll be honest. When I from 2010 till now meaning like the first day I opened my business bank account till now, I have probably went through every ice cream flavor of technology, if that makes sense. Uh, And uh, I mean that in the absolute honest way. I've tried, you know, building a product. Okay, I'm going to build a product in six months. I'm going to sell it. And, you know, we're going to generate all this money. Oh my God, life doesn't work that way. You know, Uh, then doing consulting, oh, we'll sell Salesforce, SAP, and we'll sell all this stuff. And oh my God, it's going to be easy. No problem. It doesn't work that way. You know? (laughs) So every single thing we've tried and, and believe it or not, the ease, the easiest things that we, the easiest steps that we skipped tend to be the ones that make us the most money, but they're also the ones that take longer time, right? It's just about time that takes, but you know, you want to do everything. And like, Oh, that's easy. We'll get to that later. Right. But (laughs) you got to do the steps right? you got to do the steps to grow the business and, and, you know, and all that stuff. And, you know, and,
0: so now do you would I be fair in saying that uh you're pretty buttoned up. You've discovered a formula yeah. business I that think, works. You have a, I a, think, a partner, a back end partner, which is yeah. like dream come true for any business, yeah.
4: especially yeah. a
0: front end kind of guy.
4: Yeah. I do would I would say that's very accurate. Have, I think do you have
0: turnover? Do you have do you have loyal staff there consistent. I
4: think yeah, I think the people genuinely that work with us, I think they really enjoy working with us and I don't think that's necessarily because we do some fancy work or you know we're doing you know we're we're Elon Musk going to <laughs> going to Mars, right? I don't think it's necessarily anything like that. I really do fundamentally believe that you know one of the biggest reasons why people enjoy working with us, like I said before, you know I learn differently, right? So I understand and I have empathy towards people and then how they perceive things, how they learn things, how they understand things. So I think, you know, for anything, right? Whether we talk about the people that work with us that are working in our client offices on the different IT projects or whether they're our, our operational team, we understand how they work, right? And we understand how they think for an individual, right? So we don't just try to say, oh, this is how we do things and this is how it works and boom, 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 right? We really take time to understand individuals for who they are. And there's a lot of context that we build before we suggest to do something or et cetera, right? So I think people really feel heard. I think people really feel welcomed and they feel that they're part of a team rather than just being an employee that works for this company.
0: All right, so I'm going to uh, address your, your question. Like, should I be hyper-focused on what I do and continue to do it and make it bigger and bigger? Yeah. Or should I take profits out and invest or do other things yeah. so I don't have to work as hard in the future? Yeah. Um, I'll address that, but I just wanted to take a little commercial pause uh, because so many of my listeners have kids and always ask advice about their kids. And the number one concern a lot of uh, parents express to me is the kid's no good at school, can't seem to pay attention, is all over the board. Uh, I can't seem to interest him in anything. If only I could find one thing that they'd be interested in, they could be a winner. Yeah. Uh, But I... I'm constantly hearing people uh, label kids as though their their heart is a bit hurt. As parents, that they already have started to feel that a kids not going to make it. Okay, so yeah. using you as a stellar, a stellar example. Uh, yeah. uh, let me just point that out. Uh, the couple of things you said resonated with me. Uh, one, uh, you didn't pay attention so much; didn't hold your interest. Was like a jail. That's yeah. exactly how I remember. Yeah. So one more jail sentence, like a criminal. You- what did I do?
4: No, yeah, exactly. And I don't mean to interrupt you, but you know, one of the biggest things that I'll mention, right, is you have no idea after I graduated, you know, college, I, I felt so much uh, freedom. And I feel like somebody just took their massive foot off of my chest. And, and, you know, you will not believe I, I ever since I graduated, I feel life is so good. Life is amazing. It's, it's like, Oh, my God, like, sure, there's all these problems, like, you know, growing a business, it's very hard. It's never easy, right? No, nobody, even Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> doesn't find it easy right, to grow a business. So my point is, is that the level of freeness that I have felt, right? Even, even my friends say it, they're like, is there anything that can bother you? And I'm like, no, really, it, there's very few things that can genuinely bother me to a point where I will think about it. And, and I don't mean that from a perspective that I'm careless or carefree, but there is a big uh, you know, benefit to having so much struggle early on in your life that really, really, I think helps you to really, uh, position and have a clear picture and lens into your, uh, life, you know, as you go from your twenties and thirties and forward, because the thing is, is that not a lot of people have to go through the, the hard struggles that I feel people are lucky to go through. Right. Because if I didn't go through what I did, when I, when I make my first profits and made my first profits, I would not value the money the same way. Right. And today, I don't have a lot of money, but the money I do have, it's like, oh my God, <laughs> like, this is amazing, right? But you know, if you work for a job, if you get a job, you know, you're know, out of college, you make 50, 60, 70,000, you don't know like what you're, <laughs> you know, you don't know what you worked hard to get, if that makes sense, right? Because you're just part of a subset of a subset of a subset. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's uh, uh,
0: the sake of this lesson here. Yeah. Four traits that come screeching across as I'm talking with you that could be uh, applied to any kid out there that maybe struggles in school, for those parents or those kids themselves listening. uh, One, I believe wholeheartedly through my own experience, but I'm using you as an example here. Mm -hmm. uh, You learn to compensate. Uh, What you couldn't do in school, you could sure do with your mouth. You talk a blue streak. Yes. You you probably never shut up.
4: (laughs) I get told it all the time.
0: (laughs) And, And even, I'm sure, even a conversation is an interview. Or sales pitch, right? Okay.
3: <laughs> right. That's
0: what happens. I'm the same way. I always have an objective talk to people. Like basically in my mind is how could I use them? Right. Not in a bad way, but how could yeah. I take advantage? And they take advantage of me. I'm always under that, that I always have. Right, right, right. Um, Your thankfulness is obvious. Thankfulness just for breaking out of jail and being free.
4: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's enough.
0: That way when they graduate, they feel terror you uh, most articulately addressed the empathy card that because of your learning differences in school that yeah. you, you're able to be extremely empathetic and look at the other guy's perspective or so to speak walk in someone's shoes on the other side yeah. that helps you with your clients and endears them and makes them uh, stay with you and uh, most importantly uh i think uh, with your experience you're always the outsider and so what you needed to do is become the official outsider to really let your wings spread and bloom. And then not to be underestimated, the most basic thing you learned to do with the rejection earlier. Yeah, absolutely. You wait till you're 25 and someone barks at you and you go home crying. You, right. you, you learned all about that early on. So nothing really bothers you. What a wonderful list of gifts you have and what a wonderful list of gifts that are very often only open to kids with learning disabilities, yeah. honestly. From what i've yeah. seen two out of three entrepreneurs that are hugely successful that i've met in my life oh, couldn't wait to get out of school so yeah. it's an interesting lesson there now to your uh, need or questioning, which is very healthy should i be hyper focused continue what i'm doing or do something else spread my wings and try something else not quit but just invest my money in other things you certainly have the capacity to do that i because all those same traits will apply to any business. It doesn't right. have to be IT. So yeah. I say if you're curious and wanna do that, uh, why not? Yeah. Because when you start to go past seven years in business, and I know this for all the businesses I invest in shark tanks, like the seven year itch, people start to think, well, you know, the most exciting days are, oh, whatever, you know, what are we gonna do? Right. Growing is not enough, which is a shame. Because if you hyper focused on your business for the next five years, you could probably quintuple its size. Yeah. You put your mind to it if that was your desire, but if you don't have that desire, you have to reignite your engines yeah, right. by spreading your wings a little and seeing what else is around the corner. Yeah,
4: absolutely. Yep.
0: But let me give you some advice because I've been there myself. I get bored easily. I love the beginning stages of business. I love the potential of what could or might not happen. And when everything's going great, and I have a money machine I'm sitting on top of with some problems, but not bad problems, and it's all coming in easy, I start to look around, I get antsy. Okay, I remember one year when I was building my brokerage firm, I got so antsy, I decided the staff The management, I had layers of management, the company was big, it could run itself basically. And I stepped out to investigate investing in real estate. I did some kind of special events that I thought I was really gifted with that I could make a lot of money on. That was the only year, despite the fact that I had so much talent in that company that my company did not grow. Right. And I gave my competition a little edge and they started to catch up to me. Boy, oh boy, did that put a fire in my belly right uh if i could have rewound it i would have like been more aware of my time i'll take 20% of my time and do this other stuff but 80% of my time is focused on my baby i mean the hardest part of every business is starting it and giving it life and giving it yeah. traction you have that i would just hesitate to leave it in a big way but to you know, take some of you. And also, let me just say something else. I don't know about you, but for me, when I wanted to aggressively grow my business, I couldn't take profit out. It was a no. choice. Leave absolutely. it in or take it absolutely.
4: out. Absolutely. Either taking it, it out. Taking out
0: car or leave it in. And absolutely. it was always leave it in, leave it in, leave it in. We've,
4: we've, we've done every uh, variation of it possible. Oh my God, we're making money. We're making money. Take the money out, take the money out. And we said, oh, we're making so much money. Oh my God, we can't be taking it out because if you take it out, what's going to help grow the business, right? So we've done every variation of it. And, and you know, just my own personal two cents on it is, you know, as the business is growing, you know, take, uh, you know, very minimal payroll, right? Take only what you need to like live, right? And like survive. <laughs> and uh, outside of that, leave all of the big money, good money in the business. Let that be the way to scale, double your growth, you know, quadruple your growth, like you said, and you know i think even towards you know the advice that you gave i think it's really you know strong and even in that scenario let's just say at the end of a quarter we realize why wow, we did really well this quarter we could take that money out and take some of it and invest it in maybe another project or real estate or maybe there's a product company we want to invest in or maybe there's another you know small business that we feel like wow this is a really strong cash machine and you know it's you know there's good people running it at management and we just need to buy and you know manage it from an investor perspective um, you know, absolutely. So I think that was really sound advice that goes hand in hand with that.
0: Well, I think you probably knew that advice inside your body anyway. To <laughs> I,
4: I knew it, but it, it does help to hear from Barbara. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you know how I learned uh, a little bit of that from my mother who wasn't a day in business, but when my dad used to come home with his paycheck, let's say it was $200, which doesn't sound like a lot before workmen at the time he was yep. well paid. Uh, he would come home with the two hundred dollars on the way home, get the cash, hand it to my mother, and she would hand him twenty bucks back and say, There it, there's your mad money. There and you know, go. <laughs> way of his mad money, like for him to do whatever he want. Yeah, go
4: crazy. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> she would take care of feeding the 10 kids, but he had his 20 yeah. bucks and he felt like the man about town with the twenty. Right. So I think you setting a percentage amount as Absolutely. mad money is a yeah intelligent approach. I just want to remind you of one other thing, Amit. When I finally made so much money in my business that I had a few million dollars in one year when I never had maybe even 10,000 because I was always plowing it back in, back in, opening new offices. When I finally was surprised, but I had a few million dollars, Um, that was the first day I realized, which I never realized for the, however many years leading up to it, that I had built a giant equity. I'm sure you're going to sell your business for a ton of money. And the bigger you get, the more return you get on that money as you get bigger.
4: So as soon as that happens, as soon as it happens, I'm going to come to your office and we're going to celebrate.
0: Okay. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice hanging out with you. Congratulations on your enormous success.
4: Thank you very much. I do appreciate it. It was very nice talking to you as well.
0: And that's all we have time for today. If you have a question, leave me a voicemail on the Business Unusual hotline, 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. You can also tweet it to me at Barbara Corcoran, and I may just answer it on a future episode. You've been listening to Business Unusual with me, Barbara Corcoran. Come back next week to hear more steps and missteps I took on the path to success. Search and follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.